What's up, guys? It's Matt. On this week's edition of the TKW Podcast, I am joined first by Kyle Maggio to talk about the latest in Knicks land. We talk about summer league play. We talk about Troy Williams. We talk about the Kawhi trade a little bit, just kind of what's going on around the NBA and the Knicks. And then we're joined by Barbara Barker from Newsday to talk about her excellent story on Tim Hardaway Jr. And then we also talk a little bit about women's sports and where that is going in the future. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, my good friend? Nothing much. What's up with you, buddy? How's everything going? Uh, it, It's going. Uh, we had a fairly eventful week, I, I think, for you know the Knicks in, in the summer and the summer league, but um, outside of that, nothing... Nothing crazy. It's been some other NBA stuff with Kawhi getting moved today. That's just craziness. Yeah, it and it happened overnight, too. So it's one of those things. I was up until, I think, 12.31 last night. And then it happened in the middle of the night. And then I think the first tweet I woke up to, which really confused me, was Chris Haynes saying, Kawhi does not want to play with Toronto. But then I was seeing everyone else saying he was traded to Toronto. So I was like, okay, someone tell me what's going on here because I'm baffled. Yeah, that was exactly my reaction. I woke <laughs> up, and those are the first two alerts that I had on my phone and I because normally I would have Shams and um, Wooj and um, Haynes and Stein and the other guys yeah is it was it Waj or Wooj because I've heard it like three different ways and I'm very (laughs) confused Woj Woj say it with me Woj Woj okay okay so (laughs) I have to stay on brand at this point I got you see that's why I'm here I have if I don't correct you I'm not doing my job right so um so I woke up and I saw you know Woj tweet um, that basically the, the deal was in principle. They're ready to go. And then the very next thing I see on top of that notification on my lock screen was uh, Chris Haynes saying, Kawhi has no interest in playing for Toronto. And I woke up very early this morning, as I told you guys in the Slack chat. So yep. when I got those two messages, I was perplexed. Yeah. I I, I, what, did you have any initial thoughts on the trade? Like just briefly before we get into some, some news and notes on the Knicks stuff. I thought it was a good move for – and I – and you know I, I really enjoyed DeMar DeRozan. For sure. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't say I'm caping for him ever or on Twitter, but I feel he gets undervalued a little bit in, in the three-point era, and, and people forget you know, a little bit of the playmaking and, and other things that he brings to the table. You know, He's really good to get into the rim. and just there, There's a lot that he's really, really exceptional at, and I feel like that gets overlooked. And my first reaction was, well, yeah, that's a gamble you got to take. You know, I... It, it's hard to part with a big piece of what your franchise is, especially one that's as young as Toronto is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that was just, it's a necessary risk. You get an MVP type guy. They've had trouble getting over the hump for years now with DeRozan and co. And a lot of that was because of LeBron, who's no longer here, which almost strengthens the point as to why you would want to do it. Now you get Kawhi in a sort of wide open East. You bring back almost all of a 59-win team outside of DeRozan, and you're sort of running it back with an MVP candidate when healthy. So in a weaker conference without LeBron, who's been your, you know, kryptonite, I think that's a great, great, 
you know, a, attempt anyway at trying to, I don't know, t- take a stab at trying to win it, finally get over the hump. Uh, well, I don't know. What did you think? Well, my favorite part about the Toronto side of this is there's really no risk involved because unless you love DeRozan that much, this deal is going to end up with Kawhi Leonard most likely leaving, the Raptors having some money off the books, and at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a risk in the smallest sense of the word. I don't think it's a risk at all for Toronto. And for San Antonio, I just think it's such a clear case of them wanting to give Popovich a team to send him off with because if they wanted to get some young guys, I think they could have, and they decided to go this direction. I'm convinced for that sole purpose because they didn't want to have Pop have no star on his team for his last couple years in the league. That's how I see it. So I'm excited because I think if Kawhi reports, which who knows, I mean, we would all think he would because he wants to make money. But at this point, it's he's said he doesn't want to play there. Who knows? But, I mean, it's going to be interesting. There's no. The last thing I'll say is there's no doubt in my mind that he shows up. Yeah, I, it, I it would be It would either. be an unprecedented level of stupidity for him to not show up. I understand last year he didn't show up you know, with the Spurs and he at least had the injury card to play. There's no injury card to play now. Like you're, you're going to be healthy enough to be traded per the physical. That's sort of inevitable. We, we knew it was, it was mostly you were healthy, but now you suddenly didn't trust the Spurs. That, that was the rationale as to where the falling out came. It would be absolutely unprecedented for him to sh- get traded and not show up. And not only are you already losing money because you're going to, you know, you're going to walk at the end of the, end of the season you're going to sign elsewhere not, not you're already going to lose money and on top of that you're willing to take on and accumulate fines on top of fines for missing practices for not reporting i forgot what the exact ruling was i was looking at um the rules before i think it's after like 30 days if you still continue to not report without a valid reason and, and anything else so basically he, he's gonna have to forfeit salary he's gonna have to get fined it, it's just he's it, I think I forgot what the total tally would be of of number. Uh, I think it's like a hundred million dollars that he would miss out on. It's a good chunk of change. Yeah. Are you at all worried he's not the same player, or he won't be the same player? No, I think he's going to be the same player. I just because I'm not worried about it at all. I saw some people kind of talking about that on Twitter. That's not a a worry that I share at all. No, I'm I would I'm not worried about that. I think he's perfectly fine. I think he's just kind of being a little bit of a prima donna about this now. And I held. I held off on that for a really, really, really long time. I saw other people getting on the bandwagon, and I didn't feel it at all. I, I thought, you know what? He's probably just not healthy. He, you know, he probably feels something. He's got to trust his guys. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing about this crazy uncle in the background, supposedly. And I, I just enough is enough. Yeah, the whole situation has been wild. Uh, the number one thing that took me back when I was going through this, and you realize that the Spurs, I still think they'll be okay this year but when I was on Tankathon they had the Spurs as the last team to miss the playoffs and it was the strangest thing to see lottery sim the lottery the Spurs are in the lottery because it's been so long since they've been in that position it was just it really took me back I was like holy shit this is coming soon yeah I mean in other news so Troy Williams yes uh, we might as well just address it on the podcast let's talk about him so so we we ran an article the day Troy Williams got waived. That <laughs> shout said, out to Mike Cortez. Shout out to Mike Cortez because it was actually really good, and I think most of us believed it, and, and most fans seemed to acknowledge that he was he was going to play a pretty big role on this team as a bench guy, as a contributor. And we kind of wrote about – well, Mike wrote about that, and it was good. And two hours later, 
Uh, and the title was how basically how um, Troy Williams secured his bag, Secu- <laughs> which is a, it's a bold title because he we felt he did, and uh, then he didn't. In fact, he got waived. So, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that? Because I was surprised. Well, first of all, it was funny because I edited Mike's piece overnight and then it posted. So, um, we put it on Twitter. We're talking with people about it, and I head out to lunch, and I have. The, the push notifications on for Nick's PR and get some emails and whatever. And it says Nick's waived Troy Williams. And I kind of did a double take because it's not what I was expecting to see. Because like we said, we had written this piece just hours before. So I thought it was a mistake. So I let it sit for like a minute. And then I read it again. And I was like, oh, they, they actually did this. And we have a tweet scheduled for like 30 minutes from now that says Troy Williams secured his bag and will play a nice role for the Knicks during this season. So it was hysterical. But... Beyond the the funny side of this, it's not a big deal. This is your one of your end-of-the-bench guys. I think people that were upset about it, here's all I would tell you. If they cut him, they clearly had no plans for him this year anyways. So unless right. you think he's some guy they're going to miss out on, when they got rid of him, they looked themselves, they looked up and down the roster and said, we don't think Troy Williams is going to play a role for this team this year. So rather than pay him this contract and have to worry about pulling other pieces around the roster to make this fit. Cause as we know, they were over the allotted number of contracts that can be on the NBA roster. So they always had to get rid of someone. The speculation had been, it might be a Joe Kim Noah because of the, all the stuff that they've been going through. But with Williams, it's clear that they sat down and looked and just determined that he was not going to be a player for this team this season. I mean, it makes sense the way that Things kind of shook out, I guess. They they brought in Hazonia. I think they probably feel he's probably got higher upside which to contribute. Which is one hundred percent true. Which which is obviously true. Yes. Troy Troy's a really nice player. I thought he showed a lot of really nice things with us, and I think because of that, um, that's one reason why they cut him because he was non guaranteed, and they figured he could play a, uh, that same nice role for somebody else, possibly a playoff team or a contender. But they they signed Hazonia, which seems like they wanted. To get the most out of him. It's a tryout, basically. And on top of that, you signed Kevin Knox. So those are two guys that are going to occupy, you know, Hazonia, the two and the three, maybe some four. I, I doubt it probably to stick to the two and the three. Knox is going to be the three and the four. You know, uh, on top of that, um, I, I don't know. I just, Lance is going to still have to play three and the four. You still have Courtney Lee, who's going to play the three. Uh, Timmy's going to play the two and the three. Like, you have a lot of guys where Troy Williams would have played and though I think it still would have been nice to have him over around Baker, I, I know JB was talking about it on Twitter that it's Dolan's money. You might as well just eat the eat the money on Baker and cut him and, and keep the, the higher upside guy and, and Troy Williams and let him run out in Fisdale's system. And I agree. But I also understand how easy it is to just cut the non-guaranteed contract and send him on his way. So I, yeah. It, it stinks. I liked him. I, I liked him a lot. I, I was pleasantly surprised last season after we picked him up. But yeah, He's fine. He's a fine player. He yes. might catch on somewhere else. He might end up in the G League, whatever. He's a guy that in summer league looked fine. He just got ahead of himself a lot because he knows he's fast and he'll play in transition. He's not a good three-point shooter, so you eliminate that three and D right off the bat because he's not someone that defense is respecting from three. He struggled in summer league, he hasn't historically been anything more than a slightly below average three-point shooter throughout his brief NBA career and in college. 
So what is a guy like that really bringing to the table? Okay, so maybe he can play in transition. He can maybe play some defense. He can have some switchability from a three to a four perspective, but it's really not worth getting in a whole tizzy about because it's the end of the roster guy. And I think that's, it's just, you're still having a bunch of young guys. This would be different if they were cutting him and then giving minutes to, you know, a 32 year old guy that didn't have plans for the roster or a 33 year old guy, someone like that. That's, that's a bit older and wouldn't have any means to have a future with this team. And you could say, Oh, what about Courtney Lee? He's a guy they're going to try to trade. So you have to play him. They're not going to do anything different there. And who knows if he's on the roster at the beginning of the season, but with Troy Williams, we'll see if he catches on somewhere else. I just, anyone who likes him, keep an eye out. Maybe he'll catch on somewhere, but his skill set will definitely have to improve a lot if he's going to play a significant role for any team in the future. Yeah, I, I mean, the good news for us, just as Knicks fans, is what we saw from Kevin Ox, maybe we're going to see a lot more of it now. You know, I mean, that's that was my takeaway, too, is we're going to see more Hazoni and more Knox. I doubt that Lance is going to get tons and tons and tons of burn this season i I doubt that i I think the general feeling is courtney lee is going to get moved um this summer i think that's been rumored a little bit or at least that's the feeling a lot of us get so i I think between those two things it's pretty obvious that you know maybe we're going to get a little bit more out of some of these young guys that we're excited to see so it's a good thing overall but still surprising nonetheless yep for sure All right, brief summer league wrap-up. We saw Kevin Knox make the first team, which was awesome because you had some other high prospects up there. And then Mitchell Robinson missed out on the second team, and we were kind of joking about that because you had a bit of a pick bias for sure in there because Aiton and Jaron Jackson were comparable or perhaps worse than Robinson was during summer league and ended up making the second team. Doesn't really matter, but if we're not firing these jokes off, what are we doing? Yeah, Not existing. no, I mean, we we have to make light of it. I actually was surprised he didn't make the second team. Yeah, I was too. Because he really just statistically put up those good numbers, but on top of that, he just looked, you know, better than everybody he was playing. He didn't really – he struggled a little bit with fouls and maybe sometimes his vertic, uh, you know, vertical, vertical ability. But Are they going to say verticality and I just got shades of Roy Hibbert? Yeah, and – well, that's what I wanted to do, but I was butchering it, so I went the <laughs> other direction. So, so – I. I don't know. I was surprised he didn't make second team. I didn't think first team, but I was surprised. I I saw the case for the guys they put on for first team, but my initial reaction was, oh, okay, well, he'll make second team then pretty easily, and then he didn't. Bro, this Josh Hart thing really pissed me off. What is this guy doing in Summer League? He wins Summer League MVP. This guy started for the Lakers last year, and the Lakers, after the beginning of the season, were a completely decent team. What are you doing this guy played a good role people like him as a prospect and he's in his second year a clear nba player that probably will start again for the lakers this year or come off the bench as their six man depending on what they do with with kcp and what how they like to go about these lineups but that just bothers me it's like when john collins playing in the summer league, like dude you were on the all rookie team last year what are you doing i mean it, it makes sense that he played but it, it no, didn't make it sense that he played no it did but it didn't make sense that he played as long as he did we awesome. see plenty of second-year guys go out there and play. It just doesn't make sense that he went out there and played the entire tournament. Normally, these guys come in, they'll play a couple of games like Frank Nielakina did or like Shumpert did back in the day or uh, Collins in Atlanta only played a couple of games. You know, normally that's the status quo. Get in, get your feet wet. We're going to try you out at a, a couple different experimental spots and kind of get you going in a different direction. But to play the whole tournament was surprising. But... 
I don't know. I'm sure they asked him if he wanted to play, if he wanted to get the run. Hey. Well, Jalen Brown apparently wanted to play in the summer league. It shouldn't be about whether these guys want to play. It should be if they're too good to be playing in this league. Jalen Brown should never be playing in the summer league. He was a borderline like top 30 player in the league last year, but whatever. I think you're, I think you're getting ahead of yourself, you know but what? anyway. I, whatever. Not worth it. Not worth getting in a tizzy about. Just piss me off because when the Knicks were playing the first game and I'm looking, I'm like, what the hell is John Collins doing out there? You know what is worth getting in a tizzy? What? People saying Tim Hardaway Jr. is worse than he really is. Ooh. Would you rather have Zach Levine or Tim Hardaway Jr.? Tim Hardaway Jr. What if they had the exact same contract starting four years right now? Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. I, it just be, I really like Levine, but Levine is really just one-dimensional. And and you know I like to cape for my scoring guys and defense is overrated, but mm-hmm. L- Levine really is just a, a high-volume guy, and he brings – Nothing else. Like, not not little else. Not he struggles here. Like, he's just not good unless he's putting the ball in the hoop. Like, that's it. And he's and, one of the worst defenders in the league, if not the worst. Yeah, yeah. and again, he's a nice player. I think there's a role for him. Um, it's not like I, I don't want to talk about him like he's Andrew Wiggins either because mm-hmm. I think at this point I would I would take Levine pretty easily over Wiggins. But um, I don't know. Timmy, I, I understand that he shot – career worst basically last year he didn't shoot um anywhere near his career average from three he he didn't shoot well from the field at 42 ish percent i understand that and that's alarming i would assume that's going to go up this year just because this was his first year with such high volume too mm-hmm. uh, he played more than around a third of a year without chris Stapps. so i mean it was a lot for him to take on this is the biggest role he's had in the nba so far with chris Stapps or without chris Stapps. so i understood the dip in efficiency i would expect that that's going to go back up next year kind of towards his um his old averages but he's also an underrated playmaker he's really good at getting to the rim kicking out or making that like one extra little play he got you know he's much improved in there anyway um and he's an all right defender. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable saying that he's not going to lock anybody down uh, for stretches or, you know, long durations, but he's a good defender. So I, he's more well-rounded. And I think if you have that, you kind of live with, I don't know. I, I don't believe in the, the percentages from last year. What do you think? No, I agree. I think good defender is putting it strongly. I think he's average at, at best. And on his worst days, he just gets lost a lot on the screens and you see him that he doesn't completely grasp the concepts, but Anyways, about his shooting, he started off the year so, 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 so terribly. And we'll remember, and he had a nice stretch when he came back from injury. He's had, the first year was a strange one for him, because as you mentioned, he went from being a sidekick to all of a sudden being asked to to be this main role after coming back from injury, and Chris Tapps is gone. He's going to shoot better from three this year. I would bet my life on it. He can't be that poor again. Based on everything that we know about his shooting, his history, I want him to take that many threes again this year. He should be taking six, seven threes a game. I'm totally fine with that. If he's hitting those at 36%, all of a sudden you're looking at a guy that could threaten to score 20 points a game. He scored 17 and a half last year. The efficiency is going to uptick. I like that you mentioned his playmaking because I agree. I've long thought that he was a bit of an underrated playmaker in the pick and roll. He scores decently in the advanced metrics, and that's with a fairly small sample size that could be expanded upon, especially with the Knicks not exactly having a point guard that's going to dominate the basketball because the way that they're going to play, you're going to have Trey Burke, Frank Nielakina, Emmanuel Moutier, 
Kevin Knox, and then Tim Hardaway doing a lot of the ball handling. So you're going to have a lot of different guys that are playing in the same position at different moments in terms of ball handling. So I've always been a defender of Tim Hardaway. His contract is definitely too much, but it's not too much to the point where it's an albatross. It's not a tradable deal due to the current economy in the NBA. But if he was on a four-year, like let's say he got the deal Marcus Smart just got, what, like four years, 50 million, like that's a very palatable deal. And when you're talking about the Knicks who are moving forward going to have cap space, he's not a guy that I'm clamoring to trade like some people are. Like people are like, get him off this roster right now. What is he doing for you? Well, he's providing you shooting, which the Knicks have severely lacked for a long time. So I'm hoping Fizdale taps into this, run all the sets for Timmy, get him some more threes, hone him in, just grab him by the shoulders, say, you're a good offensive player. I need you to take 10 to 15% less of those bad shots you take, and I will give you better opportunities. Your point guards are going to set you up better than you can set yourself up. And that's how you're going to get him to reach his ceiling, which hopefully will happen this season because he'll be asked to do a lot for this team. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the Marcus Smart thing because I think he's rumored around 50 or 55 million. Yeah, still trying to get the final, but it's in that ballpark, and and they're trying to. We're still trying to figure out what exactly that's going to be. But had Tim Hardaway Jr., who's coming into that contract, was an an average three point shooter, more or less thereabouts. And was somebody who looked like he was much improved in transition with with cutting, with getting to the rim, with basic playmaking ability. Um, and, and when we keep saying playmaking, I remember I said this in the beginning of last season and I got lambasted for calling him a playmaker by mm-hmm. uh, some of our followers. I'm not saying he's like Nicholas Batum. I'm not saying he's like LeBron. I, I'm not saying it's anything like that. I'm saying he's not going to Andrew Wiggins you from the wing. He's coming down. He's capable and willing to make those passes. You see, he the, does in, make you those- see the instincts when he's playing. Yes, like you see it there. It, he understands his, his, his head is no longer down when he gets to the rim. Yeah, he's just he's keeping his head up. He's looking. OK, if I have the angle, I'm going to take it. If not, I'll kick it out kind of thing. Just basic. Uh, I'm not trying to laud him or anything as being some exceptional playmaker, but just the basic playmaking ability. But had the Knicks signed him to basically the Marcus, you know, smart contract, mm-hmm. then everyone's like, oh, what a great deal. You know, they, they got him a little bit below market value. Look at, you know. For somebody who's well-rounded, then that's something that typically gets lauded. Yeah, and, and we should mention, when the Knicks gave him that much money because they didn't want the Hawks to match, because we got to keep in mind, he was a restricted free agent. So maybe if the Knicks gave him that contract, well, that, well, the Hawks would have just matched it. And if you remember when we recorded last year, I, I broke it down this way, too. I said, okay, so the, the Hawks were reported to saying 45 to $50 million was all they were going to do for Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. So even if that's true, that's $20 million, right? So basically we're overpaying by $5 million a year for four years. That's not really a gross overpay in my opinion. It's an overpay. I'm not mm-hmm. denying that, but it's not like this – again, it's not like an albatross thing. Like yeah. It's not like Andrew Wiggins. Like, no, like we brought up Wiggins a couple of times where you're looking at his contract and you're saying, I would not want to be that team paying him that much money. Yeah, so I don't know. That's that's really all I got to say about that. Unfortunately, P- people like to make fun of him because of the number, but yeah, he was already going to get that from some team. He was going to get sixty to sixty-five million from somebody. Is yep. the point? Yep. So I, I don't know. It's possible the Knicks definitely overpaid, and you know who knows what would have happened had they not given out that contract. Maybe Atlanta resigns him at a lower figure, but. Let's bring on Barb. We'll talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. as a leader and a bit about his relationship with his dad. All right, so we're back. We're joined by. 
Barbara Barker from Newsday, who just wrote a great story about Tim Hardaway Jr. Barbara, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing well, you guys. How about you? Good. Thanks for coming on. So we just wanted to talk about the story a bit because Hardaway Jr. has been a polarizing figure for the Knicks since the second that he inked the contract. So I guess to start off, what motivated you to kind of attack this angle and go at uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at uh, just about the relationship with his dad and then what he's been through in the NBA so far? I mean, this is a story I really wanted to do, and I was bugging the Knicks about basically since like towards the end of the season. All right, I wanted to do it in the off season. I just thought there had to be more. I do think he's. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I do understand that he's a lightning rod. The guy's getting paid a ton of money. Although, what is he supposed to do? Turn it down when they offer it to him, right? Right. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I understand he's like, but I just thought there was. More something more there that hadn't and uh, hadn't been done and I'd read little things here and there and I just thought he would talk about it and um, so I just kept bugging them and it's it sort of worked out and, and I, I don't know I just I also found him to be a different I thought he was a little bit more intense that than he was in his first go around with the Knicks and so I thought there might be something, and I just wondered what the heck happens when you get to sent down to the G League when you're a first-round draft pick and your dad is a god. I mean, I always wondered about that, too. I mean, that would be tough to deal with. I So, I mean, I had a lot of questions. I just wanted to know what went on in his head, and I just thought it would be a good story. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that we were all kind of thinking, too, because it happened really quickly when they signed him. Yeah. It, normally, these things kind of get rumored for a couple of days or a week or what have you, and then suddenly the news breaks at, you know, let's say 2 a.m. like the Kawhi Leonard trade today. But right. Um, right. I mean, I remember I got home from work when this happened, and it just kind of appeared out of the blue, and they're just like, hey, the Knicks have signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to four years, $71 million. And everyone was just kind of like, well, uh, all, all right then. And then everybody had to suddenly digest it. But to your point about there had to be more to it. Um, you know, what do you think? I know you, I know they referenced the G League and a, a lot of things that may have happened with his father, but what do you think kind of helped shape his journey to kind of become more of a leader or come into his own anyway I mean, on this current team? I, I think he was probably, you know, I didn't, I was in his household, but I think he was a, you know, kind of a, you know, a pampered kid growing up. All right. And I just, I think he, he, I, I mean, obviously there, I covered his dad. All right. So I covered his dad. I'm like older than dirt. All right. So I covered his, <laughs> I covered, I, you know, you're really old when you're covering the kids of people you covered when you first started covering the league. I'm like, it's so pathetic. But anyway, I covered his dad. I did not cover Curry's dad, but I covered, I covered, you know, uh, the Knicks when they had a lot of series, you know, when they had those, you know, great battles with, the heat and a lot of times I would be the reporter down like doing the heat stories so I covered his dad and his dad had just such an edge just such an incredible edge I mean Tim has a different body he's a different game he's a different guy but he didn't like the first time have that I just never saw that edge and last year you know a couple times when I was with the Knicks I saw the edge whether the edge is when he's getting mad at reporters or you know he had a few games that were that you know I saw it too and I just wondered, like, where did it come from? Because I didn't see it before, you know? So, I, I mean, I, I do, I mean, you know, I, I think it's, I think when you're used to staying in the Ritz-Carlton and you're, like, sleeping on a bus on I-80 
between, you know, Fort Wayne, Indiana and, you know, wherever, Canton, Ohio or something. It's, you know, you're, you're wondering, you know, what the heck is going on with my life? Right. And it's something that generationally the NBA has basically had to cope with because you hear a lot of the guys from the older generation talk about how the game is different now. And I think right. senior and junior are completely emblematic of that right. philosophy oh. because that's exactly what they embody. Right, exactly. And they, and, I mean, and they're playing the way actually that works well for the time that they're playing. And I mean, granted, senior was, you know, I mean, seniors, you know, has Hall of Fame numbers. All right. So, um, or, you know, cl- close to it. You know, but you know, you're right. That's a that, that that's a very good that's a very good description. And they're very, they're very you know. And anyway, I just I just I just thought the relationship. I was very interested in the relationship, and then I read a story from when he went to Michigan that was written by like somebody, you know, like some somebody at the Michigan Daily, and it was so good about what kind of a jerk Tim Senior was to his son <laughs> that I knew I wanted to talk to him about yeah. it. Because I thought it was sick. Not sick, but I just thought it's, you know. In a way, for sure. And it's, you know, the father-son relationship is always tough with these kind of things. Uh, right. To that point, again, I guess when you talked a lot in the in the piece, you mentioned a couple big turning points in yeah. Junior's life, whether it was him uh, going to the, the game and having his dad sit up and not coach him through the game and his dad being able to take a step back and say, wow, look at what I've done. And then they have the nice conversation and they apologize. And you mentioned him going to the NBA and having some of those feelings come back where he felt a little entitled and then they sent him down and maybe that put him, put just gave him some perspective. Do you think that one of these turning point moments will come again? Or do you think that he is basically through that and he's completely ready to assume a big leadership role for this team? Well, let's hope he doesn't have to keep going through turning points. For- <laughs> <laughs> all right, I mean, you can only turn so many times before you've turned all the way around, right? So I'm, I, I, you know, I'm hoping, you know, or I'm hoping Knicks fan should be hoping that this guy, I mean, is hungry. I, he's saying the right things. He's saying the right things. He's working with the young players. They have told him they want to work with. They want him to work with the young players. I mean. KP is, you know, out. They're going to, you know, he, you know, he was the second leading scorer last year. I mean, it was kind of a weird year because he had that, like, leg injury and stuff. So mm. it wasn't a complete year. There are times he played really well. He's not playing. I mean, that contract, I mean, that contract is just, you know, an albatross around his neck. Nick fans aren't paying the contract, I guess. Exactly. But it, it is. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that. I mean, it, it's really just the contract. And the fact it was so stunning, like you mentioned when it happened, I mean, really, that was, that just came, I don't know the exact number of days, but, you know, I think that was kind of a signal, Steve Mills signaling, maybe Phil is gone, all right? I mean, I think that was just, or maybe it was just, they had to, I mean, I I don't, I mean, it was very soon after, you know, Phil was gone, right? And it was, you know, uh, before Scott Perry was in. So it's like that little window there. And, you know, I, I think Steve knew, Steve knows Timmy pretty well. And I think he has a lot of, you know, confidence in him. So, I mean, that's, yeah, it was one of his guys. Yeah, I was actually going to uh, ask if you knew anything that may have happened behind the scenes because it had happened so quickly. But that would make sense, you know, well, being I that. Think they, I think they kept tabs. I mean, I think Steve was, Steve was in Lee. Okay, so um, this is a guess. This is a guess, all right? So Steve was very involved, I think, with 
some of the Olympic basketball when and maybe when Tim played. I know he knows Tim pretty well. All right. Now I'm not saying that Tim got to get his job, you know, kid job with the Knicks. That's not what's going on going on here. But I think there's a relationship over the years. You know, I think there's a relationship over the years, and I think he kept in touch with Tim after, you know, after he went. To, I, I mean, I know that he kept in touch with them after they went down. So, I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, Steve likes him a lot. Yeah, and he's a guy that they've talked about potentially being a part of the future or if he'll ever end up being around. That's been a big point of contention for Knicks fans now, not only his contract, but then should they end up moving on from him. So just do you think that he's the type of guy that the Knicks would keep around? Because do you think it matters enough that Mills likes him, and when the the big free agent class comes next year and you're going to have all this money opening up, do you think he's a guy the Knicks value that much? No, no. You could like a guy to come in when you're changing things, and maybe you think he's going to have the right attitude, and but, you know you know you're going to change a bunch of stuff. I don't think you like anybody enough to keep them around if you have a chance to really make your team better. So, I mean, is, is he a bridge to somewhere else? That's possible. All right. Maybe it's not possible. Maybe he's, a, you know, a, I mean, you know, he's a, it's not like he's KP where they would never consider trading him. I mean, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, that, that's a good question. They like him a lot. They like him a lot. Yeah, I was going to say the last thing sort of on his play was had he shot three percentage points better from the field, I, I don't think everybody's really outraged. It was just that his field goal percentage was well, lower. Three point, it was terrible. Yeah, it was yeah. thirty. Yeah. What was it? Thirty-one percent from the field. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't good. But I was. I was saying to Matt a little bit earlier. You know, he he did do other things well. Like he he got to the rim better than he had. You know, obviously in his first stint when with the Knicks when he basically only shot threes from the corner. You know, here he's getting to the rim a little bit more. He's playmaking a little bit more. He's playing a little bit better defense. Like a lot of his game really did progress and really did evolve since his first stint since being in Atlanta so I liked a lot of what I saw but it's like yeah I mean had he just hit some more shots not even a a tremendous amount but had he just shot 35 percent for 34 35 percent from three 44 percent from the field I don't think everyone's kind of screaming that his contract is that outrageous then at that point you 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 look and you go we have a guy who's kind of a, a league average offensive point guard in terms of his shooting ability and then well, look, he could also play make a little bit. He could also play some defense. He's 25, 26 years old. That's kind of a good guy to go with. I, I think, honestly, I, I don't know if it, if there's any truth to it, but I, I feel like just having that field goal percentage be what it was is, is really the big mark on his record here. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, that that is true. I mean, I think, I think also, I mean, I, I'd like to say complete year without, you know, last year was such a bad year in so many ways, all right? I mean, I mean, it was just a bad year. I'd like to, you know, with the injuries and everything, I mean, with him, KP, I'd like to see, you know, it'll be interesting to see to, to see what he can do this year. It will be. But I, I, I agree. It's the shooting. But I, I, I'm sure you guys get so many tweets and people who listen to you, talk to you. I mean, he is really not liked by Nick fans. I yeah. mean, you know, this story, oh, my gosh, it's the stuff I got back. Like, What's the reaction been like? Well, what have you been uh, seeing? What are some of the comments? Well, I mean, okay, I'd say it's about the comments that are against him are very strong. Like, who cares, who cares about a feel-good story? The guy is a, a wuss, you know, that kind of stuff, <laughs> Sports right? Sports fans are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. 
right? And then, but then there's a lot of people who like the store. I mean, who liked, you know, the background. I mean, you know, you got to know your strengths. My strengths are kind of the human interest stories. I like writing those. I like reading those. You know what I mean? So I just thought I wanted to find out what made the guy tick. Because I don't think anyone had written what guy, I mean, New York would have made him tick. I had not seen like a really, the C, guy from CBS.com did a pretty good story talking about how he was, you know, depressed or down. I don't know if he used the word depressed. Mm. I saw that. But other than that, I really hadn't seen, you know, a story other than the fact, you know, him reacting to like the humiliation of the Greek freak or, you know, this, this, this and that. But I hadn't really seen it a story about what he thought or, and, and stuff. So, I mean, I really, that's, I really wanted to do the story. Yeah. And it was, it, we learned a lot just from reading it. So anyone that hasn't read Barbara's piece over on Newsday yet, definitely go do that. Uh, quick general question about the Knicks, because uh-huh. we've talked a lot about this on this program about how the franchise is shifting a bit, but it's taking people on the outside a, a while to understand that the Knicks aren't the Knicks of the, early 2000s into the late 2000s that are just doing stupid things and you know we joke <laughs> lol Knicks is what people say do you share the vibe that you can feel something shifting because i know you've been around the team for a long time i do feel i want to say yes but like being around the team for a long fan like any Knicks fan you sort of want don't want to get sucked in sometimes right yeah, we have so, that problem too you don't want to get too high because you know you're just going to get let down right i i do think there's a group of people on the same page. That's what they're always talking about, which is kind of boring, but it's actually kind of important, you know, um, that, that, that share a vision. I mean, you know, the Phil Jackson years, there was just too many battles going on. You know, I mean, I don't think Phil ever wanted to be here. And I, I mean, I know he turned down the job multiple times before the money got so big that he had to say yes. It wasn't a good plan. There's been a lot of bad plans, as you guys know. And That's, there's yeah. been a lot of bad there's been a lot of bad plans and then like, you know, the next good looking girl, good looking coach walks by and you completely change the plan again, you know? It's exactly so, how they do. I mean, you know, really, you know, I would say except for I mean, I think Woody was a pretty good coach. But um, except, you know, there, you know, there was that period there. But other than that, it's been pretty terrible since Van Gundy left. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there, there's been, you know, there's been spots. There's yeah, been and definitely spots. But any hope we can find, because Knicks fans have been really excited over the summer league, because Kevin Knox has looked awesome, and Mitch Robinson, and people like Frankie Lakina. So there's a sense of hope in the air from fans, which hasn't been there in a while. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Frank fan. I yeah, love our, him. our people love a, Frank too. Our staff, people we interact with on Twitter, he is a huge fan favorite. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's yeah, I really like, I really, I really like Frank. He's I really great. like Frank. So last thing we wanted to bring up before we let you go, I know something you've written about, you wrote about in June and it's become a really hot topic over the summer with uh, the WNBA kind of reaching a fever pitch almost and people being more interested is just the general interest in women's sports and how we need to be more proactive in giving these women the the money and the attention that they deserve. Uh, do you just want to talk about that for a little bit and what's your, what you kind of think you should champion here for this cause? I mean, I kind of do. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I've been covering sports a long time and early on, I did not cover women's sports. The reason I didn't cover women's sports is I wanted to make a career for myself and nobody paid attention to them. And I feel guilty about that, actually. Now I have, you know, I had a daughter who's a swimmer. You know, I see that, like, I think it's important 
And sometimes you got to stand out, stand back and look. And it, it's 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 difficult because, you know, most sports talk radio shows, most, and it's not people don't do it on. I mean, purposely. You know, most newspapers, most you know, everything. The majority of the people writing and working there are guys, so they write about what they're interested in. And I'm not saying guys are not interested in the WNBA. I have a boss who's like an over-the-top huge fan. But, I mean, or other women's sports. But I think, you know, we, you know, people got to start taking a look. It's happened in high school. Like, Newsday's very good about giving equal, you know, uh, space to, you know, uh, uh, girls and boys sports, all right? Because, you know, why shouldn't we, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the WNBA, what is it, 22 years, 21 years, something like that. I mean, it has a lot of kinks to work out. It was, it's a, it's a big blow, I think, them leaving the garden and and playing up in this, you know, in Westchester. Um, I, I mean, I think that I think that hurts the league. I think, you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I think they they don't have the formula right, and I think, you know, we also have to, I mean, people who care about it need to go to more women's games or 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 pay more attention. I don't know. I mean. Look at look at the summer league. The summer league kills the WNBA. Kills the WNBA. My son's just like watching and now like people watch the summer. You guys watch the summer league. It kills the WNBA. You know it being on all the time. I think so. I mean it's I don't know how. I mean David Stern. It was his baby. The WNBA was his baby. I think Adam Silver totally supports the WNBA, but it's not his baby. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, and I'm not saying he doesn't want it to succeed, but I think he's a little, you know, he's a little more, you know, let's make the money guy, you know? And that's, I mean, that's generally what the owners want too. I don't think there's a whole lot of owners that, you know, I mean, who's the original owner? I mean, Jim Dolan is, I don't think ever really wanted to own the team. I think he held on to it for three more years to give Isaiah to something due. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask. I, I, you know, you mentioned the move. You know, they're playing in Westchester now, as opposed to playing in the Garden, like they had been for um, ever, really. And I, I guess my question is, is it a little bit of wrong place, wrong time now? Because oh, I was reading something, and I'm not gonna quote an exact percentage for the, you know, the ratings and the popularity increase, but. There's been a surge this summer to people paying attention to it, to people actually watching it, subscribing to the WNBA League Pass. So, you know, I, I started to think, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, it, it's sort of wrong place, wrong time. You, you think you could downsize a little bit, maybe sell some more games out that doesn't rely on the garden. But now all of a sudden there's this big spike in interest. You know, a lot of people are watching it or at the very least paying a lot more attention to it than they previously had been. And... Now you don't have the liberty in the garden. Now right. you got to go to Westchester. And, and that was a big deal because when other teams came in, you know, you're in New York. So the garden is really in. OK, so tonight, like Billy Joel is playing there for the hundredth time. All right. So you if you, you know, you could just have a zillion fish in Billy Joel concerts and make a ton of money. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can, you know, fill the garden halfway and the you know, which is still a lot of fans. You know, they average nine thousand fans. You can fill it halfway and not make as much money. And you know, you can't make somebody. You can't you know you can't make somebody own. I I don't I don't really think they've ever really made a lot of money. It's not 
it's going to almost turn into sort of a vanity thing and maybe eventually it will make some money. I mean, they have a good television contract, but I don't think anyone's making a lot of money off of it. I mean, you know, there's certain teams, Seattle. I mean, they have a solid fan base, Minnesota. L.A. has has a really good fan base. But, um, I mean, the Knicks have a really good fan base, too. But I don't think that, from what, you know, I don't think they're trekking up to the Westchester place, hold five, and they have it down. I think they've reconfigured it for, like, three or something, which is a little, you know, which is a little strange. And they're still looking for a buyer. They don't have a buyer. I mean, they say they're sorting through offers. But, I mean, you know, I think if they had a legitimate I, I don't know who, I mean, they, they, they don't have a buyer. He doesn't want to own the team anymore. He doesn't want to own the team anymore. And he's owned it for 22 years. Right? right. There's a lot of work we can still do, but it's, it's nice to see the ratings boost from the WNBA and we'll see where it goes from here. And that goes across every sport. So well, we shall see. One, one, let me have one more thing though. Of course. W, go ahead. If you don't mind with the W I think this is the amazing thing when people watch it. I mean, it's so much better. The level of basketball is so much better than it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. I agree. Incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's just such a high level of basketball. And I talked to some people who say, well, you know, it's just like that, that, you know, you know, I I said, if you went to a game, it's just incredible. I mean, some of these, Graham Stewart, she's a beast, man. I mean, you know, so there's, there's a lot of really good, there's a lot of really good players. Yeah. The, the quality of the game is, is really good. I, I was in pep band in college, and I looked forward to the women's games just as much as the men's game. It's a, it's a completely different game because they rely on different skills. It's just not right. the same, but it's still entertaining in its own right, and there are so many awesome personalities, and just you can learn a lot from it in terms of even a basketball mind. So right. lot to be gained from it. But, uh, yeah, so Barbara, thanks again for joining. If you guys haven't read her piece on Newsday on Tim Hardaway Jr., Give it a read. Follow all their stuff. She's great. So, Barbara, thanks again. Have a good night. Thanks, you guys. And you can follow me at, at Mean Barb. Ah, right. at Mean Barb. <laughs> Go do it, everyone. It's a very good handle. It's a great handle. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, you guys. I enjoyed it.